I suffered from panic attacks for decades. And my therapist lied to me for years about them. Jay is the reason I went from six panic attacks a day to none in a year. Today, we're going to expose your therapist's lies about anxiety too. And okay, maybe your therapist isn't a liar. Maybe they're okay. But I bet they've got at least one of these wrong. And one of them they may not even know is a lie. So watch to the end to see which one your therapist is lying to you about. Lie number one, anxiety medication will help your anxiety go away. Bullshit. Anxiety medication are in the class called benzodiazepines. Benzos, as we'll call them from here on out, they are one of the most addictive medications in the world and they are regularly prescribed to young children and adults with mental health issues with no problem. Now, before I ask my question, I just want to be clear. I am aware that therapists can't write prescriptions. I know a psychiatrist has to, but for ease and flow of this video, we're just going to say therapist. Okay, great. So Jay, if benzos are the most addictive medication, one of the most addictive medications in the world, why are therapists prescribing this over and over to young kids and adults with mental health issues and how could it actually help wow awesome first question and we'll go with my classic style of answering a question with a question <laughs> and this is kind of a two-parter first what's the difference between a cure and a crutch well a cure makes it go away forever and a crutch is something that you lean on for an extended period of time. You're supposed to use a crunch, crutch temporarily, but some people use them forever. Yeah. And what happens to those people who use a crutch forever? Do they get stronger and healthier and move towards a cure? Or do they have their muscles atrophy and forget how to use them and get much further from a cure? Yeah. They tend to get further from the cure when they use the crutch for long term. Okay, great. So would you say that benzos are closer to a crutch or closer to a cure? Oh, they're definitely a crutch. Yeah, I agree. And I imagine most other people do as well. If they were a cure, anxiety would be pretty much gone since they're prescribed everywhere. Right. So knowing that, your question basically becomes, why are therapists prescribing crutches all the time? Yeah, that, that would be the modified version of my question. Yes. Well, why would they do that? Why would therapists start prescribing crutches everywhere so that we end up with a society of anxious people living on crutches and never getting cured and actually getting further from a cure because they become reliant and addicted to the crutches? Why would therapists do this? Is it because they're genius healers in the zone prescribing the best shit to get people healthy? Or is it because they're brainwashed automatons repeating what Big Pharma has told them to for decades? That one. That one. They love Big Pharma. That's where their paychecks come from. Yes. Prescribe benzos, get paid. Go against benzos, stand out, go against the grain. If you go to a therapist with the intent of getting benzos and being and, and a lot of people with anxiety do that because we're we're also fed the lie that these medications will help. And so we go to our therapist and beg them for it and, and they readily give it to us. But if they don't, then we'll go see another therapist who will. Exactly. Yes. And this has gone on since the dawn of time. There's always a ruling class or a ruling elite and then their minions who are the experts and the authorities. So there's the head honcho and then his priests, and then there's the people, and the people go and listen to the priests. And if the priests are told, give out this drug or perform this ritual, then all the people buy into it immediately. While well, the priest said, we have to do this ritual. So it's just a whole chain of people not thinking for themselves, never challenging the status quo. And then you end up with, with chronic perpetuated problems in society. And there's a book called Pharma, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America. I forget who it's by. Posner, somebody Posner, Gerard Posner. And it's basically a deep history of the pharmaceutical industry from its inceptions to now. And every chapter just reads like the last chapter. Every chapter <laughs> is someone peddles a health cure, gets people addicted to the health cure, and then proceeds to constantly profit off of the health cure until the people are 
irrelevant. So the overall message of most therapists reflects the overall message of the pharmaceutical industry from the beginning, which is you'll never be healed. You need us. Pay us money forever. But I don't want to be too cynical. There are a few people out there, a few voices who preach a different message, and it's the exact opposite. Their message is that you're strong, you're powerful, you don't need to rely on anyone, and you can heal yourself. People like Joe Dispenza or Bruce Lipton or Wim Hof, and they dedicate their lives to treating people and teaching people and training people on how to heal themselves so that they don't need to rely on on others and they don't need to pay those healers forever. So there's two messages out there for you to explore and see which one suits you. And you can use the second message as a test. When you talk to someone, just just float the idea that isn't it possible I could cure myself? Isn't it possible that this isn't a permanent condition? Isn't it possible that the human body is miraculous and nature wants me to heal this and get back to my state of harmony and balance? Just just float that idea and see how they respond. If they get all crunchy, they're all panicky about it. No, you have to pay us and you have to buy prescriptions and you'll never heal and you're not powerful and you need us and you need the big pharma and you need all of us. If they get all, they really fight you on that message. What's up with that? What does that mean? Are they really looking out for you? Like that message isn't even worth exploring. Let's not even just even explore the possibility that maybe possibly you could heal yourself. If someone is dead set against that particular message, you might want to question what their motives are where they're coming from, why they believe that, why they're so anti-healing or anti-self-healing. And if you float the idea that, hey, I guess I'm just going to have to live on these meds forever and they are fully supporting it, they're like, yep, you do. That's it. That's what it's all about. It's got to make you wonder, do they get commissions? Do they get profit from this? Where's the money? Follow the money. Why are they saying this? Is their career in jeopardy over this? Why are they so eager for you to be dependent on their substances. It's peculiar, right? Should any healer or doctor ever ever really want you to be dependent on these substances? Should they be gleeful and happy and supportive if you're dependent on these substances? Should they ever talk people out of exploring alternative avenues or experiments where they're not dependent on these substances, right? Food for thought. It's great. It really is. And anyone who's watching and who gets triggered by this and thinks, not me, well, not me. You you got you don't understand. I very much understand. I spent my life from 13 years old to a few years ago in constant panic and anxiety. I didn't like to leave my house. I didn't like to talk to people online, real life. It didn't matter. I was riddled with depression, anxiety, all of it. And and I thought I was special too. And my doctors had no problem prescribing Valium and Xanax and Clonopin and lorazepam. I think actually that's a that's Xanax, but whatever. The point is they had no problem throwing prescriptions at me whenever I needed. Oh, it's not working. Let's change it. Oh, let's up the dose. Oh, let's change the dose. Let's do like there was never a problem. There was never a no. And I mentioned in the beginning that benzos are super addictive. And I know firsthand I've gotten off heroin and I've gotten off benzos and I've gotten off painkillers as well. Let me tell you something. The worst out of them was the benzos every time. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And there's people out there that have no problem giving you prescriptions for your special anxiety. But if you think about what Jay just said, you ask yourself and your therapist or your doctor, whoever, the questions that he asked, I can't remember what you asked, but those questions, the specific questions about get getting better by yourself, uh, feeling better, living without the medications and controlling your anxiety. I asked my therapist one day out of the blue, I didn't know you at the time. And I said, when am I going to get better? Like I've been doing this for so long. I don't want to do it anymore. When am I going to get better? And he looked me in the eye and said, never. And I swore that day, no more. I will get better. Took me a long time to meet Jay and to, to understand how to actually do that. That's why we do this podcast. I want you to understand that, yeah, I had Jay's help for it, but you can do it without his actual physical being being there. And this podcast can help you. So I really, really want you to try to not be triggered and really be open-minded about these. Because if I can heal myself from six panic attacks a day, so can you. And I'm not any, any more special. I'm just a human being just like you. 
So thank you so much for busting why, number one. Thank you so much for helping me be a normal person who now actively looks for social situations and has no issue meeting people and being chatty because that's my job. (laughs) That's what I do now. Because without you, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast and sit here and share myself and my life to help other people. So thank you. Yay. And real quick, I'm not anti-therapist. It might come off like that because they have some issues, some problems in the therapy industry. But I know they have good hearts and they're doing their best and they've just been tricked by a lot of different authorities. And there are probably some good ones out there. I just personally haven't met many of them. Okay. So Rise Nation, after all that, this is only number one, line number one. I'd love to know in the comments what you think so far. Did you get triggered by hearing the lie? Do you get triggered by hearing our story and our answer? I'd love to How know. How you felt about this. Lie number two. You got this from your parents. It's all genetics, so you can't change it. Yeah? So, Jay, if that's true, how come I was able to cure myself? Finn, have you ever noticed how science always seems to be playing catch-up? Catch-up. Catch-up. Like, playing catch-up. They're always trying to catch up with reality or the way things are or like way back in the day the scientists and the authorities of the time swore that bloodletting was the cure for everything and as time went on they were like no no we were wrong about that that's totally wrong opioids are the cure for everything or maybe a better example is how way back in the day scientists believed that earth air fire and water were the root elements of everything they made up every substance known to man. Mm-hmm. They were the basic building blocks of the universe. And that was the science of the time. If you argued with that science, you would get shut down and made fun of. Right. And then it became atoms. Atoms are the building blocks of the universe. That's that's everything. Everything's made up of atoms. And if you tried to argue with the science of the time, you'd get shut down and made fun of and pointed at. And then eventually they figured out that actually it's not atoms. It's electrons and neutrons and protons. Those are the building blocks of the universe. And if you tried to argue with that, if you ever said elsewise, you would be shunned and dismissed. But now quantum science is telling us it's not even those particles. It's actually collapsible wave functions. It's probability waves that are the basis of everything. And nothing is real and nothing is solid. And it takes them like a century for each of these changes. And they were wrong all the way along, literally wrong every time. It wasn't earth, air, and fire. It wasn't atoms. It wasn't electrons. Like it was wave functions the whole time. (laughs) And a hundred years from now, are they going to look back and be like, oh, wave functions. These people thought it was wave functions and it's something else entirely. It's possible. I'm saying. So I'm not anti-science. I love that they experiment and they're methodical and they do their due diligence and they try to self-correct and what have you. But that doesn't change the fact that they were wrong. Fair play. The ancient Greek scientists were wrong. Then the 1920s, like whenever atoms came around, they were wrong too. I mean, they were half right. Atoms seemed to exist, right? My point is everything science swears, swears on their mother is fact and true falls apart in 100 years or 200 years. And I don't know how great it is to, to base your life decisions off of what they swear is true. I mean, they said Pluto was a planet, then it wasn't, then it was. I mean, it's not changed. It's a freaking planet. Yeah, they said COVID was <laughs> the Black Plague nuking everybody. Then they said it wasn't a big deal. Now they say it's it was still a big deal. Now it wasn't a big deal. Like, the, the science community is ridiculous, man. Like, I appreciate all their good work, and I appreciate what they do. But if they tell me I'm incurable, got some shit from my parents, and can't change my genetics, I don't really know if it's smart to believe that. In 100 years, are they all going to be saying, oh, genetics are totally changeable. No problem. There's a million ways to do it. We have technology. You can do it with mind powers and quantum physics. There's all sorts of stuff. Are they going to be all be talking about how changeable genetics are in 100 years? Yes. Because if they are, I should just get on it now. Let me just <laughs> hop on that train now. Yes. Right? But if you want to be ahead of science or ahead of the game and try something different than what they say, you have to be prepared for them to get all pissy about it. When Joe Dispenza or Bruce Lipton or Wim Hof suggests that people can heal themselves, they have to be ready for a whole bunch of scientists whose career rely on prescribing drugs to get mad about it. I'm sure they get a lot of hate for it. Sure. But they also have a bunch of happy people. Yeah. A bunch of happy healed people too. 
So it's true. You know, epigenetics is the study of changing your genetics, environment changing your genetics or uh, your chemical balance changing your genetics or your choices or behaviors changing your genetics, whatever. I think technically it's the science of the environment changing your genetics, but it's all connected and all related. The point is, if you dig into it, you'll see lots of people and lots of studies and lots of proof and lots of evidence of people changing their genetics. Is that what Brian Johnson's doing? The guy who's doing all that anti-aging stuff and he's got like the blueprint for how to change his body and his life and his his genetics. I I don't know too much about that guy. I think you sent me one video of him once Mm -hmm. and I barely remember it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Epigenetics is the tree most people bark up when they're looking to overcome genetic issues. But I'd go even deeper than that, right? Mm -hmm. I'd just get in tune with yourself and your soul and your heart and your intuition. And what is it telling you? Is it telling you your body is a freaking natural miracle? Is it telling you that you can show the world a new way of healing? Is it telling you to give it a shot and like put your heart into it? Or is it telling you to accept whatever everyone says, watch scientists play catch up again and just go with whatever they say, because why bother thinking for yourself? Like what, what is it telling you, right? What is your body telling you? Go experiment with alternative therapies and new ways and and self-healing or do what everybody else in the West does and just listen to the authorities and use those crutches forever. I mean, there's a reason why anxiety, the the rates of anxiety have gone up. You know, this is not like, oh, everyone just became anxious. No, not at all. It's people are believing what people in power in medicine, doctors believe so much of what they say. And it's a bunch of crap. If I believed them, then I would still be taking bipolar medication. I'd still be taking lithium and uh, having six panic attacks a day. And like, I'd be unable to leave my house and I would be living in Florida miserable. Good thing you didn't listen. No. And it's funny because I hadn't even met you at that point. I, I knew, I knew there was more, I knew they were wrong. When my therapist said I couldn't get better, I knew that was a lie. One of the things that's like, that I appreciate about myself is that I can usually tell when I'm being lied to, not always, but usually. And I knew that was a lie. And it is because I don't care that my, my mother, my mother's mother suffered from mental health issues and all of my aunts and cousins and on both sides of my family, they all have mental health issues. I don't, I didn't care. I knew I didn't have to. I really believed that. And I had nothing at the time around me or no one around me to support this. Like I didn't know you. I hadn't found Evan. I wasn't reading or watching any personal development. I hadn't even found Tony Robbins at that point. So I just trusted my instinct that I could heal myself. And I did. It took a long time because I didn't have the the resources. But Jay, you made an incredible video that changed my life. So I'm going to link it in the comments for everyone. It's banned on YouTube, but it's two hours of actual experts, not anybody paid by big pharma it's joe dispenza and bruce lipton and wim hoff and tons of other experts in this field talking about how to heal yourself how to heal your body how to heal your mind you made it into a two-hour video youtube didn't like it they banned it but we put it on vimeo vimeo thank you i almost said venmo vimeo so i'm gonna link that it's long but so so worth it and it was the first step that i took to throw away painkillers and then right afterwards xanax followed so it was life-changing for me and you are amazing and you may not be an md and all that other stuff but your intuition is correct in all this stuff i'm i'm like detesting uh, i i listened to all those things they said in, in the video i followed did what you said i followed my intuition and I healed my my genetics. And all the people in my family that have all those mental health issues still have them, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not perfect at this stuff, but I've been healthy for decades. Yeah. I haven't had so much as a cold in decades, even while homeless, even while living on the streets, even while living rough, even while in jail, even while overworked. Like, I was healthy the whole time, and I've helped many people I know heal. And I'm not some weird mystical healer. I just know how your brain and hormones work together. I know how they can 
collaborate and cooperate. And I know how we can influence them and guide them. And I know how they relate to following your heart and your intuition and making decisions that are aligned for you. And when you make aligned decisions in life, nature starts to restore the balance and you become healthy again. You get back to that basic state of well-being that we're all meant to have. And there are people who are better at this than me. They're, like I, We keep throwing the, the names around, but you go study those people and they've done it. There are tons of people who've healed themselves in lots of different ways. And I'm not anti-drugs. I'll pop an aspirin or something if I feel like it. But the point is we need more critical thinkers who are eager to self-experiment and, and try things for themselves and practice and apply rather than just intellectually listen to someone else, put very little thought into it, accept what they said, and not even give it a shot. If you want to try benzos, like fine, go ahead. If that feels right to you, let's see. But if in six months or a year, you've had no progress, I don't know, maybe that was not the best experiment and maybe you should put the kibosh on it. Now maybe go try Wim Hof's method. If you do his breathing in his cold showers for two or three months and you do have results, I think we have an answer, at least for you personally. This is what we need to see. Less people buying whatever they're told and more people open-mindedly experimenting with different methods. Yes. That's, that's actually praise for the science community. Like, I encourage it. Go experiment. But my main issue with science is that they let one or two people do the experiments and then call it a day. Like, yeah. oh, that's what they said. And then they wait for 10, 20, 30 years for another two people to come along mm. and do a different experiment that proves them wrong. Oh, we've overturned the study. It's like, dude, I could have done my own experiments and overturned that study. I could have tried the drugs and then tried the self-healing and I would have found it for myself. Why did I need to wait 30 years for someone else to come along and do the experiments? Because I'm not qualified. Who's more qualified than me to try healing myself? Yes. yes. If, if at all you're watching this or listening and you have a feeling inside you that says, maybe they're right, just try it. No one's saying you have to throw all your meds away or just completely go to cold turkey because they know that's not recommended. But maybe start researching, start looking at some of the names, go to the health video that I'm going to put in the description for you. Like explore. Yeah, the world will it. end if you search Reddit self-healing stories or yeah. Joe Dispenza's success stories. I don't know, man. And probably somewhere in this video, we have to say we are not medical professionals and this is not medical advice. And please consult your doctor and fuck this shit. Yeah, I was a patient for way too many years, over 20 years. I talked about it in the last uh, episode. I was in a mental hospital at 13 and that was not my first uh, and only experience with that. And I took meds un until way past having children. So I know firsthand what it's like. I know what it's like to be scared and feel anxious and feel like you're dying. I also know what it's like to be scared to give up all the meds and try something new and, and believe in myself. But I, I know that my body, I get a cut or I've had surgery or I've broken bones and my body healed all those things without medication. And it healed my mind, my the mental health issues, my anxiety, my panic, my depression. My body healed that on its own. Yeah, now you're losing weight. It's healing your obesity. Yes. Like, I've healed so many things in my life, physically things. Yeah, I want to heal my vision. Um, vision Lakiani from Mind Valley healed his vision. It did. And he documented the journey. He did. I want to do it too. Yeah. Oh, who knows? He's another one. He's another good name for them. Yeah, that's it's true. So if your body can heal those physical things, why would it not be able to heal the mental things as well? So it's a very simple thing to do. It may not be easy, but it's doable. And I know and believe in you that you can do it. So yay. So Rise Nation, after every lie, I want to know what you think. What do you think about this? Leave it in the comments. Do you believe that your genetics are forevermore? That's that and no change or do you believe that you can change your genetics because i do i know i can i know you can too so lie number three anxiety is related to other disorders so jay is anxiety the reason why people don't do what they love i've been using nick viacic a lot in my examples <laughs> lately because mm -hmm. it works he's an amazing example, example. Yes. yeah if we talk to Nick Vujicic, he could say, 
I was born without limbs. It causes me anxiety. My limblessness is why I can't have a girlfriend or a career or hygiene or whatever. He could say that, but he doesn't. He just figures out solutions and built himself a great life. If we talk to Cora, she could say that my kids and my job as a full-time mom is why I can't be an entrepreneur. But she didn't. She just founded Cora's Breakfast and was the first breakfast restaurant to close at 3 p.m. She made it back to pick up her kids from school. If we talk to doctors about anxiety, they could say, this patient has anxiety. That's why they can't sleep correctly, maintain healthy relationships, or have proper nutrition. It's the anxiety. We'll just medicate the anxiety and I'm sure it will be fixed. Hell, even the patients themselves could say that. Mm -hmm. They could say, it's my anxiety. That's why I can't do X, Y, and Z. But should they though? Is it better to go Nick Vujicic's route or Cora's breakfast route and and just step up and succeed despite the condition, despite any excuses? Or is it better to go the doctor's route and like, oh, that's the reason why. Just blame your anxiety. That's an excuse. That's an easy out, right? Is it helpful? Does it serve us to take that approach? Does it serve us to point the finger at anxiety, connect every problem we have in life to that anxiety, pit it all on the anxiety, and then sit back in our comfort zones and change nothing? Or is it better to take the Nick Vujicic approach, which is like, yeah, I ain't got no limbs, but I'm going to crush it anyways. Yes. yes which yes. is better? Nick Vujicic approach. Because a man with no arms and no legs, I'm sure, had lots of anxiety growing up, going to school, trying to get around, trying to take care of himself. And I think he was chilling. Like, <laughs> just the basics of living, of rolling over in bed and covering yourself like this man couldn't even do that so i'm sure he had a lot of anxiety growing up and in, in his life like i couldn't even imagine and he built an amazing life for himself with a wife and children and a huge empire and, and he motivates other people now so why wouldn't anybody want to follow in, in those footsteps i mean he would laugh at that he would I wasn't trying to be mean. It just. So that hopefully answers your question. Is anxiety the reason people don't do stuff? It's the reason they tell themselves they're not doing stuff. It's the excuse they make for not doing stuff. But it has nothing to do with doing stuff or not. There are plenty of people with the exact same condition or worse who did better. So I don't know what you're supposed to say about that. Make more excuses? like Yeah, and, and it's not tied to other disorders. It's not. Well, so that. To me, that's a whole other question. As for mental health being related to all other disorders, that's kind of like saying bad posture is related to all other physical disorders. The reason you perform poorly at sports is because of bad posture. The reason you have trouble singing and projecting is because you have bad posture. The reason you lost that modeling gig is because you had bad posture. Okay, bad posture is related to every other physical disorder. Because it's your body and it's your posture and you live in it all day long. And if you have bad posture, it's going to affect all the other things. Like, okay. I mean, it's also kind of like saying having low oil in your car is related to all the other disorders of your car. It's like it's related to the radiator and the overheating and the engine sounds and the pistons not behaving and the ball bearings wearing thin and whatever. I don't know enough about cars to to pin it down. But (laughs) the point is, You can point to any one thing and say it's related to all the other things in that machine or in that body or in that mind. So yeah, having stress or anxiety is related to all the other disorders, but the way it's told is like a lie. Like they don't say like, yeah, of course it's related to everything. It's one of the core foundations. Don't worry about it. Like it is what it is. Like it's the same way low oil is related to everything or the same way bad posture is related to everything. They don't play it off like that. They say, oh, anxiety is the cause of your eating disorders and your sleep disorders and whatever else. And it, it this is a dangerous thing. And it's super important and it's related to every disorder. And that's why you need these benzos. Like you get what I'm saying? Yes. And so for me, now that I've healed myself from that stuff, I can look back and see how, why they say that. Because if you have a cut finger and you don't 
put a Band-Aid on it, you don't put medicine, you don't wash it, and it gets infected. The infection spreads to your hand, and then you can't move your hand. And then if you don't still take care of it, the infection spreads to your arm and your elbow and your shoulder and, and so on and so forth. And so anxiety is like the kind of the first baby step towards your mental health stuff, okay? You start to feel nervous and scared and anxious. And if you don't heal the root cause of that, not with benzos, with all the other stuff we talked about in the last myth or the last lie, was, you know, like really looking into yourself, healing yourself, loving yourself, all those things. And when you start to do that, then, oh, well, it goes from shoulder to elbow. Oh, I healed, I healed my, my anxiety a little bit. Okay. It feels better. But if you don't, then of course it spreads and it becomes depression. It becomes an eating disorder. It it becomes bipolar disorder. It, It becomes so on and so forth and spreads, of course. But healing that root cause will make it so it doesn't spread. So technically it it's linked to every disorder but if you heal it it won't be <laughs> not if you heal it it will cure a lot of other disorders yes so yes yeah so that's a good point too so if you have if you've let the infection spread all over and you start healing the the anxiety and you don't worry about all the you say okay i'm gonna worry about the cut on my finger the anxiety all right i'm gonna heal that that starts to slowly heal everything else and all those other things will go away Yeah, I hope that clears up the anxiety is related to other disorders and it's my excuse for not doing anything. Yes. Yeah. Lie. Thank you. Thanks for clearing it up. So I want to know how you feel about this. I want to also know, Rise Nation, from you in the comments, what other things is your particular anxiety related to? So for me personally, it was depression, bipolar disorder, overeating, really low self-esteem, low self-confidence, and just beating myself up over every single thing. Whether I did it right or wrong, I was still beating myself up over it. So I'd love to hear from you what you've connected it to. And you may not know until now. You may hear this and be like, light bulb. And be like, oh my God, that's why, um, you know, I'm super hard on myself or critical or judgmental or whatever. So yeah, it's okay. So I think you did an amazing job explaining this concept and all of them so far. We're on, we got to lie number three. And I just want to share also a little bit more with Rise Nation that if they want more of this juicy, wonderful goodness, we have a book. It's called Eyes Wide Open Volume One, and it's the world's first self-help coffee table book. It's 27 pages with amazing, beautiful illustrations that Jay made himself. He wrote it. I edited it. And though it doesn't have particular items about mental health in it, it's still overall living, overall well-being, overall help in, in different other areas of your life. Oh, yeah. It's got game changers about money, sex, death, you name it. Yeah. And just like we, I just talked about in the, in the last question, how the anxiety is related to everything else, everything in our life is a web. And if we fix one, it helps the other. So if we fix our money issues, it helps the sex issues. If we help, help the sex issues, this helps the, the fear of death issues and stuff. So it's all connected. It's an amazing book. And we're giving it away for free right now. We're giving away free PDF copies of the book. The link uh, to download your copy is in the description because we want to give you a taste of our wonderful book. We don't make any money from our book, really. We lose money on it. Yeah. And I just really want to get the information out to you guys. That is what really matters to me. So please enjoy the free copy. We love you. Line number four. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue in the world. So Jay, why does anyone give a crap and why would that matter in healing our anxiety? Well, have you ever heard someone say that when they weren't trying to either A, scare you because it's such a widespread epidemic of anxiety or B, trying to get you to accept your anxiety as normal. They don't want you to fix it or change it. They just want you to shut up, take the meds, don't worry, everyone has to deal with it. These are the only two reasons I've ever heard people spout this fact. This right. fact. Right. Have you, have you ever heard anyone say it with a different reason? No, actually, I like, think so. It might be possible that somebody somewhere said, oh, uh, I guess uh, anxiety is one of the most common 
mental disorders, but I have no agenda about it. It just happens to be a fact. I think maybe someone might have said that somewhere, but I've never heard anyone. It's always A or B, scaremongering or normalizing anxiety in your life. Yeah, that's why I've heard it. For me personally, to normalize, not just to normalize for myself, but other people. Oh, I have that too. It's okay. Everyone does. Everyone has anxiety. It's okay. It's so normal. But it shouldn't be. Right. But the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want anxiety to be a rare exception that one person or two people have and then they cure it. They want it to be normal. They want everyone to have it because if everyone has it, then they can sell drugs to everyone. Right. So they normalize it so that it's okay to take the medication. Yeah. Have you ever seen any industry or corporation who wants less and less people to need their stuff? They yeah. all want to normalize it. They want Uber taking an Uber to be normal. They want... Spending time on YouTube to be normal. They want to keep your attention on there as long as possible. Yes. Doesn't matter if it's healthy for you or what. They have an agenda, growth and profit. Who gives a fuck about anything else? So normalize it all. And they'll do like weird psychological hacks and hire propagandists and, and lobbyists and do whatever they can to normalize shit. So like I said, the only two times I've heard this particular fact, anxiety is the most widespread or common mental disorder, is with one of those two agendas. Yeah. And so technically, technically, this one could be a truth, right? You get those pedantic people like, ah, technically that's a truth. And it's like, is it though, if they if they have an, an agenda to scare you or to normalize it for you, if they're out there telling you this truth and ignoring all the other data around it, just to, just to normalize it for you, just to get you to take drugs. To me, that's a manipulative motherfucking lie, right? Yeah. So let's look at it a different way. What if I said to you, poor exercise is the most common physical disorder in the world? <laughs> well, then that would probably make me want to look at how I'm exercising and fix it and ask you how I can fix it. It might. But what if I had an agenda of normalizing this? And instead I said, poor exercise is super common. It's the most common disorder in the world. It's part of life. Everybody has it. Just have this creatine and you'll be fine. Take this whey protein and you're good. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, I got you. It's a big it's, difference. It's a fact. It's a, it's a truth. But I clearly was lying to you about it. Yes. Like I was manipulating you yes. and I had an agenda yes. and I wasn't trying to give you the whole truth or the real truth or whatever. And why is poor exercise the most common disorder in the world? It's because every human has a physical body and every physical body needs exercise. Mm -hmm. And unless you're a warrior or a soldier or a construction worker or something, bodybuilder, you're running away from exercise. Most people <laughs> run away from exercise. They have a physical body. That physical body 100% needs some mobility and some motion and some exercise. No one was born to be a little Lego man stuck to a Lego block. We're all meant to move. Right. And then everyone's avoiding it. Like they're all willfully, consciously, intentionally avoiding it. Mm -hmm. They're not even seeking to move their baby finger. Like they buy and purchase things like remote controls for the TV and stuff like this to not move. Anything they can do to not move. They don't want to walk outside. They want to go from their home to the garage, to the car, to the workplace garage, to the elevator, up to their cubicle. Like they do not want to exercise. Yeah. So, oh, poor exercise is the most common disorder in the world. Like, yeah, because everyone has a body and everyone av avoids exercise like the plague. So yeah. anxiety is the most common mental disorder. Yeah, because everyone has a brain or a mind and they all avoid critical thinking or managing their thoughts or selecting healthier, more positive, more uplifting thoughts. They don't even want to practice it. It's too hard. My brain just controls itself. I have no control over this. I guess I'm brainwashed or my genetics are controlling what's up there. I don't have any free will. Like they avoid mental exercise and mental work and mental effort. Just like people avoid physical exercise, physical work, and physical effort. So yeah, it's the most common disorder. Great. The sky is blue. Like yeah. more people should exercise. If, <laughs> it just blows my mind that people take this facile brain dead fact and use it to manipulate people and further their personal agenda. This is like one of the most insidious lies around as far as I'm concerned. When you try to normalize something that should never be normalized, nature never wanted you to normalize it. And people were born to move about the earth. They were born to exercise. Even burn victims and war vets who are bedridden in hospitals find rehab exercises and therapy exercises and find some way to get their life back together and like do the exercises. Like if these kinds of people with these 
disadvantages or conditions or whatever you call it can somehow find a way to get their shit together and exercise. Why can't normal, able-bodied, everyday people do this? Like what? You're meant to exercise. And similarly, you're meant to exercise your mind and choose more positive thoughts and be self-loving and be loving to yourself and say positive things to yourself and catch yourself when you're thinking negative and change it a little bit. Go pet a cat. Go look at a, a, a lake. Go load up a picture of nature on your screen or something. Like just manage your mood a little bit, right? Most people put zero effort into managing their mood or controlling their thoughts. And so anxiety is the direct result of that and you 100% deserve it. And the re- only reason it's common at all is because people choose to do this stuff. Great. Super weird life choices as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And if I were their parents, I would have never encouraged this. I wouldn't encourage them to be lazy or to look for the least effort route or to wallow in negativity or to sit around and lay around all day and be sedentary. I would teach them to exercise and how important it is. And I would teach them to manage their moods and control their thoughts and to think better things when something goes wrong in life. I would teach them to find the silver lining. This is an exercise. It is a practice and it should have been taught to everyone. And if you haven't been taught it till now, there's never too late to start. Like whatever you do, don't buy into the freaking lie that this is common and it should be common and it should be normal and it's the most common thing and there's nothing we can do about it. We should all just live on benzos. And if you think this sounds a little conspiracy theory-ish, I I want you to think about this. In the time of the suffragettes, uh, women didn't smoke. They didn't smoke publicly and they didn't smoke privately. It was a masculine man, male thing only. And the, I think, Lucky Strike hired Edward Bernays to normalize smoking for women in public. So he did a huge campaign where during feminist rallies, he would hire women to walk through the crowd and lighting up cigarettes and smoking. And they called them torches of freedom. And they he also did another campaign because lucky strikes were green at the time and women showed dislike of the color. So he not only got women to start wearing green, loving green, smoking Lucky Strikes in public and all the time, but he completely changed something that women didn't like to do, didn't do at all, and found rather repulsive. And that, as we know, is extremely bad for you. And he normalized it. And if you think that he's the only one and that those are the only two uh, examples, you're wrong. Because these, these things may sound conspiracy theory-ish, but there's a reason. And you're 100% right that that we have been taught all these things, these horrible, bad things for somebody's profit, not to help us in any way, shape or form. It is up to us as people to really think about who we are and what we need and want our moods, choices, our physical health. You can decide that. Don't let anyone else outside you even us, yeah, don't, don't research us. this stuff we're talking about, the people we're mentioning on this episode. We're here, we give a real talk, fresh views on taboos. No one else is going to tell you this. No one else is talking about it. And we are because we care and we love you. So thank you so much. Okay, so we're going to move on. Why mm-hmm. number five, your anxiety will never go away. And that is a damn lie because mine has gone away with no problem. So Jay, if you helped me make my anxiety go away, how can other people make theirs go away too? Great question. Well, let me ask you, what is anxiety? An irrational fear we have. Uh, Yeah. Okay. But what is anxiety analogous to? Like, what is anxiety like? Is anxiety like a disease, like how most people claim it is? Or is anxiety more like a symptom, like a cough? Like, I have a cough. Good question. Or I have a fever, but it's because of bacteria or something. It's a symptom. Anxiety is a symptom. Right. So if anxiety is a symptom, what are symptoms? What are they for? Are, are symptoms something you're supposed to get rid of? Well, a, a regular doctor will treat the symptom. And they rarely go deeper and find out why you have that symptom. So, And then the symptom just comes back. And then it comes back. It always comes back, yes. Because you if you don't treat cause. the re- root cause, yes, yes. yes. So are symptoms something you're supposed to make go away? You're supposed to target them and deal with them and handle them? Or are symptoms something else? There to let you know there's something deeper. Exactly. Symptoms are an indicator. They're like a gauge. They're like a meter. 
So in life, are gauges and meters bad? No. Do we prefer to have gauges and meters or do we prefer them to go away? No, I, I want to have a gauge and a meter so I know it's up. Yeah. On your oven, do you like to have gauges and meters? Yes. Right. And so anxiety is a symptom and a symptom is a gauge or a meter or an indicator of a root problem or a root cause. Right. The gauge is not bad. You should not be angry at your anxiety, hate on it, be sad about it, be disappointed in it. It is there for a completely healthy reason. It's like a smoke detector or a battery meter or a gas gauge. All things I think we we would we love need to have. Yes, yes. We like to have. Yes. So start to love your anxiety. And the thing about meters or symptoms or gauges is that they can get to a state that is uncomfortable for us. It's uncomfortable when the gas gauge gets low. It's uncomfortable when the smoke detector is beeping nonstop. It's uncomfortable when your battery meter is flashing red. But when it gets to that uncomfortable stage, we know we fucked up somewhere. We need to go take care of it. We need to solve it. Like, hello, probably should have put gas in the tank or maybe there's a hole in the gas. I don't know. Like I didn't do enough maintenance on my car. Check this out before I left. I didn't bring my charger or whatever it is. It's like it could be some natural cause, but usually it's something we did. And even if it is a natural cause, it's something we can fix, which is very empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All good. Obviously, this is effed up. Mm. Let's go fix it. Same goes for anxiety. Your anxiety is a gauge. And when you're in proper balance and everything's healthy and you're living well, it, the, the, the meter is, is full. It's at F and it's nice. It's good. No one cares about anxiety when it's at this stage because it's not bothering anybody. It's gone. It's not uncomfortable. It's only when that, that tank gets to empty to E that it starts getting really uncomfortable. Yes. And now... Oh, anxiety, this is terrible. I hate this thing or whatever. It's like, don't get mad at the gauge, bro. Yeah. You have been making shitty decisions for a long time for it to get this this low. Yeah, you passed 15 gas stations and you knew you had to fill it up and you ignored it anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. You've been letting people cross your boundaries for too long. You've been putting junk in your body for too long. You've been refusing to exercise for too long. There's a direct link between happiness and exercise. You've been failing to manage your mood. You've been ignoring your feelings and your emotions and your heart. You've been giving into family and society and work obligations when you really want to do something else. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to get anxious if you keep that shit up. You weren't put on earth to go be a, a puppet for everyone's freaking obligations. You weren't here to bow to every pressure from everyone. You were here to stand on your own and be a, a human being and be authentic and do your shit and do what you love, regardless of the consequences. And if you don't have that guts and you don't have that courage and you're not going to be yourself, anxiety is going to show up. And it's going to have that tank on empty. The longer you go on, the emptier that tank gets and the more uncomfortable your anxiety gets. And that's how it should be. Because anxiety is a symptom. And a symptom is a gauge. And gauges are helpful. And I want everyone on the planet to feel anxiety if they if they go against their life that much. If they go against their heart and intuition that much. If they ignore all the healthy parts of life, like moving their body or eating something that really truly energizes them or setting a boundary, or doing what they want instead of an obligation. Like, come on, if if you're going to live ignoring all of this juicy parts of life, the best parts of life of, of being an authentic person, I want you to have anxiety. It needs to be a wake-up call. Nature put it in you for a reason. I, You don't think I felt anxious in my homeless years? Maybe you did. Years on the streets, years homeless, struggling to get out. You don't think I felt anxious when I got put in jail? You don't think I got anxious when I had my my backpack, my personal belongings stolen from me? It's anxiety city. But you know what? I don't want to feel comfortable in those situations. I don't want to be like, yay, this is amazing. (laughs) It's like, dude, what are you doing? Get your shit together. Stop doing this. What are you deciding? Why are you making these choices? Why are you thinking such terrible things? Instead of thinking, oh, I should give up on life. I'm depressed and suicidal. Like that's going to lead to anxiety. That kind of thinking is not productive or or positive or helpful or uplifting. It's not self-love and it's not loving. But that's what I was thinking at the time. So yes, I should feel anxious. But if instead I thought lots of celebrities have been homeless, many people have come out of homelessness. People can make that journey. Every human is valuable and I have value. And maybe I wasn't taught to bring my value to the world correctly. Maybe I don't really know what I'm doing or how to run a business. So maybe whatever, like I need to try something different or experiment, or maybe I'm struggling too much and I need to just let go and be bored and embrace homelessness. But if I thought any of these positive things, the anxiety would lessen. It would start to go away. I would start to feel better. 
I start to feel prouder of myself. I start to make peace with the situation. If you learn to let go and make peace with situations, then your anxiety meter will restore itself and you'll be back to balance, back to normal. If you resist and fight and struggle with every situation that life serves up or that you manage to wander into, then your anxiety tank is, is going to get all uncomfortable. Yeah, it's true. This makes total sense. This makes perfect sense. So you ask, how do we cure or get rid of our anxiety? Well, I would ask you, how do you solve a low battery meter? How do you solve a ringing smoke detector? How do you solve an empty gas gauge or fuel tank? Take care. Yeah. And and you don't fix the gauge itself. No. You don't target it and try to no. feed it meds. No. Yeah. No. Paint a new face on it. Mask it. Hide it. Bury it. No. You love it. You say, thank you, Gage, for showing me what the problem is here. I respect you and I will go and deal with the root cause. Mm -hmm. I will put out the fire. I will refill the tank. I will charge the battery. And when your anxiety is running out of control and getting uncomfortable, it's just telling you, you haven't been living well for quite a while now and you need to make some changes. And most people, they're like, no. I refuse to make those changes. I'm not going to change my exercise routine or my mobility. I'm not going to change the food that I eat. I'm not going to change my personal boundaries or who I hang around or my peer groups or my circles. I'm not going to change the way I think. I want to watch the news and be miserable. And I'm not going to change my mood management. I'm going to dwell in my shitty feelings. It's like you would never do that with any of the other gauges. And instead, they're like, I'm going to paint a happy face on, hide my anxiety, and live on benzos. That's going to work, right? <laughs> I did that for a long time and it does not work sure. at all. And no hate. I've done it too. Like not to your degree or extent, but I know what it's like to not address the root cause of things. Yeah. But it's really simple. It might it might not be easy. It might take some commitment and some discipline and some practice and some focus and you might have to apply yourself and really make some changes in your life. Yeah. But Anyone can get rid of this anxiety. Great. You were never meant to have it. You weren't born with it. Nature doesn't want you to have it. It's just a gauge or a symptom, and it will go away when you address the root cause like any other gauge. So I don't think we should all make a big deal of it. And you definitely don't need an entire industry of pharmaceuticals to repair something you should be repairing yourself anyways. Agreed. So I want to share with them what I actually did with all that information you gave to kind of show how I did it. So when we met, as most of you may or may not know, I was married to someone else that I had wanted to already be divorced from for a few years. Like I was very unhappy. See, didn't divorce for a few years? Anxiety. Yes. You should have listened to your heart the first time. Yes. No offense. No, none taken. But so, okay. So I was married to someone I didn't want to be married to. I was in a type of relationship I didn't want to be in uh, because I was the dominant and I was in control of the home, our sex life, our like everything. I was living part of the role as a traditional wife, but I was also living part of the role as head of household. So like it was very difficult for me. So more anxiety. I was taking painkillers every day and had struggled with physical pain that made me extremely unhappy. Uh, and I didn't want to take them anymore. I wanted to heal and be better. So another reason for anxiety. I had a, a business at the time. I was doing eBay. I was reselling. Even though I was happy with that business, I originally started it so that my ex-husband and I could have something together and build something together. But he wasn't holding up his end of the deal. And I was doing all the work. And this was not what I was meant to do in life. Even though I was good at it and I, I was successful, I didn't want that. So another reason for anxiety. I allowed my mother to control uh, my life. Like, I mean, even though I went against her by moving to New York and stuff, I still very much let her tell me what to do. This is another reason for uh, anxiety. I was overweight. I've lost 100 120 pounds now since we met. Uh, and so I was a lot heavier then. So, uh, and I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating healthy. My diet was Reese cups and Diet Coke. Another reason, like I could go on and on just those seven examples right there. There is, is it any wonder that I had serious issues with anxiety? No, of course not. So yeah, I live like crap. Man. Yeah. And so I started with uh, getting a gym membership and going to the gym. I started doing yoga. I started meditating. Uh, and oh, that was another thing. I was very unhappy with my spiritual life at the time too. 
So uh, doing meditation and learning more about the spiritual side of my life and myself and what I wanted, uh, being honest with you and with my ex and telling him I wanted a divorce and admitting that I'm a submissive, admitting that I, I'm a traditional wife and I wanted the full spectrum of what that meant, not head of household and that. I wanted to give that up. So like all of these things, as soon as I started- You changed your diet? I Yes, I transformed my diet. I only eat sourdough, eat flaxseed, smoothies, all that stuff. So, and I got super healthy. It's like every single one of them took that meter of my anxiety a little bit higher and a little bit higher uh, to away from the anxiety. To the point where, oh, so I started with six panic attacks a day. As soon as I started working out and reading a lot uh, about uh, spirituality and personal development and talking to you, that went up higher. And like every single change I made in my life, it brought me further and further away. And then it was, you know, three panic attacks and it was two panic attacks. Then it was none. And then I spent, uh, it was like the first year and then I went to nothing. Yeah. No panic attacks. All because I incorporated all those things you just shared on camera uh, into my real life. Yeah, because my life every day. Because your anxiety gauge is basically just a positive life change meter. So if you have anxiety, you haven't made enough positive life changes. If you want your anxiety to disappear and the gauge to be restored to balance, you need to make more positive life changes. That's all there is to it. There's no benzos. There's no magic pill. There's no big pharma. There's no whatever. There's only the gauge. You fix the gauge by addressing the root issue like you would with any gauge. You don't fix your gas issues by putting cherry bombs in the tank and coming up with some creative (laughs) solution and MacGyvering something and begging a mechanic to make your car run on water. You just fill it with gas. Like you just do what it takes to fill the gauge. Hello? It's not rocket science. And same for anxiety. You just make the positive changes because that's what the gauge is measuring. Have you made positive changes in your life? Have you stepped up and been courageous? Have you been your authentic self? Or are you still living a fake ass bullshit obligated life? One will result in anxiety and the other results in bliss. Yes. I'm glad you said that word, the obligation. That was one of the biggest parts that I let go. Obligation to my family, obligation to my parents, obligation to my kids, because obli- you know they are were already almost grown at the time. Obligation to, to everything. Once I started saying, when I let this go, like I went for, I jumped from like four panic attacks to like one because because of that. And and a lot of people don't realize how much obligation we feel to do things on a daily. Now it's rare that I feel that way anymore. And when I do, I don't really do things out of that for it. No, do stuff out of love, yes, out of joy. Out of bliss, out of fun, out of happiness, out of what is in your heart. It will guide you to positive things and you'll make a positive impact in the world. Great. Yep. We have a whole episode on obligation and letting go. And we do. Do we do? Responsibility. I'll, I'll link that in the description as well. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for helping me with all this, for helping me so that I can sit here and, and explain to people actually the steps I actually took to cure my anxiety and to come so far where we, we've been together now almost five years and it's been almost four years that I haven't had any panic attacks and I'm super blessed. And, and if I can do it, anybody can. So thank you so much. It means so much to me. So, which lie out of the five did your therapist tell you? Please share in the comments. And if your therapist hasn't told you any of these lies, share in the comments who they are so other people can sign up with them and find a decent therapist. So, Jay, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our wonderful audience? Yes, you have a purpose. Your soul came into a human body with a purpose. I don't think our channel attracts nihilists who are like, life is meaningless and I have no purpose. But if you do feel that way, I'm confident eventually you will discover you're here with a purpose. And that purpose is not anxiety. Nature didn't put you here to have anxiety. Anxiety is not your natural state and it's definitely not your purpose. Your purpose is freedom, joy, and growth. And deep down, you can feel the truth of this. I am meant to be free, damn it. I am meant to be joyful, damn it. I am meant to grow, damn it. 
you can feel it. And if you follow your heart and your intuition, if you can get in tune with it and get past all the layers of neuroses and obligations and weird social pressures we have, if you can get to the core of you, that intuition will guide you towards freedom, growth, and joy. But if you resist and fight and struggle, and if you give in to all the social pressures and become a people pleaser who's constantly trying to fit in with others rather than stand out and be yourself, your anxiety is going to get more and more and more because your anxiety is a gauge. It's a meter. It's a symptom of you not living an aligned, purposeful life of how you're meant to live. And like all of nature's creatures, you've been set up to feel good in your body. You've been set up to have a peaceful, at-ease mind. And even if you've gotten off track and your anxiety is high, you can still get back to that natural state simply by practicing, by applying yourself, by doing a little work, by making a few changes. So don't give in to fear and doubt and all the bullshit lies you've been told. Instead, step up and courageously make one positive change after another in your life. Practice thinking better thoughts. Practice seeing the silver lining. Practice managing your mood and finding ways to self-soothe. And if you have used a crutch like benzos or some other meds, don't beat yourself up for it. It's fine. Crutches are, are great for a temporary time, but make sure you're weaning yourself off them. Make sure you're rehabbing and getting back into form. Make sure you're living well so your anxiety reduces and stops acting up and you can be free of those crutches. And even if you backslide or slip up, get right back on that horse and keep practicing. You can become a happy, healthy, loving, shining, radiant, positive human being, anxiety-free. In fact, you already are. Nature made you that way. You were born anxiety-free. And getting back to that is just a formality. So step up and practice. You got this. And that's why we call our book and this podcast Eyes Wide Open. And today, we blamed your therapist. But that's okay because we have a video all about blame right here. And blame is a secret anxiety creator. So definitely check that one out. Keep rising.